We're going to do a short sermon this morning on renewal of the brain. Uh, So why don't you turn uh, to uh, the people around you and then with as much attitude as possible, maybe with your arms folded, say, I think for myself. I didn't quite feel enough attitude in that. Uh, So somebody give me some attitude. Who, Who thinks for you? Yeah, your wife. It's a happily married man right there. All right, so let me ask you a warm-up question then, since we got the right attitude on. Uh, this, is a, this is a church. I don't know if you've noticed that. And a lot of times at church, we talk about what we believe, right? Here's, here's a question. What don't you believe? It's an interesting question, right? There might not be an exact right way to answer. I'm going to give you eight seconds to think about it and be brilliant. What don't you believe? Think about it. What don't you believe? John Yamamoto, what don't you believe? That I don't about God. You don't believe that you understand everything about God yet. So if you feel angry toward God, maybe it's that you don't understand. He's like, that's a smart kid. I don't care what Connor says about your hair. <laughs> that's good. All right, somebody else. That's a good answer. That's a, that's a, that's a John answer. It uh, doesn't have to be that sophisticated. Uh, but what don't you believe? What don't you believe? Atheism. You don't believe atheism, which is actually a, kind of a provocative answer because atheism is a faith position. Right? I mean, you have to have faith to be an to because like, you can't disprove God. Uh, you can't really prove God. So, you know, atheism is as much a faith position as theism, you might say. That's kind of an interesting answer. Who's got, who else has got one? What don't you believe? You don't believe that counting calories helps. Now we're, starting, now we're starting to get to it. We're starting to cut close to the bone here. Yeah, counting calories is actually not help. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I love it. What else? What else? Yeah, Rach. You don't believe that you can think for yourself. There's the beginning of a great conversation. Those HBA grads. Just energetic little minds. What else? Yeah, Andrew. You don't believe in trickle-down economics, presumably. You don't, you don't believe in, in uh, supply-side economics. All right? All right. Jace? You don't believe that people are incapable of change. There's a loaded answer. That's a great one. Again, our kids, doing great. You adults? But that, I mean, it's so fundamental to life, right? It's like, do you believe that, a, that you can change or that the people around you can change or not? Do you believe that it's right for people to change? Do you believe that it's not right? And th- these are actually loaded, loaded questions. So that's, that's a very profound response. All right, one more. This is going to be the best answer I can tell. What don't you believe? Who's got it? What don't you believe? Money buys happiness. Money buys happiness. And how would you know? There you go. It's a, it's a faith assertion. I believe that if I had money, I wouldn't be any happier than I am now. Brilliant. I love it. But, uh, 
you know, also kind of a profound answer for the state of the world. All right, you guys give great answers. Um, and it's a way uh, of getting uh, everyone, uh, including our recent grads, to think about um, what, what, what does dominant culture, what does the world try to foist on you, try to force you to believe that you shouldn't believe and that you don't believe? Because the world is always trying to control you, right? The world is always trying to influence uh, you. Um, and that starts with your thinking, right? And that battle uh, begins and ends uh, with thoughts that you allow to control you or to not control you. In Genesis 4, there's this famous story of Cain and Abel, right? And uh, Cain gets very mad at his brother Abel, and uh, he's thinking some nasty thoughts. And God actually comes to Cain and says, hey, dude, what's going on? Sin is crouching at your door and it seeks to master you. You must master it, right? What are you conceiving in your head? Right. Chaos is trying to master you. The world is always trying to control you. Wrong-headedness and sinfulness is always trying to control you. You must master it instead. Life can be boiled down to, are you controlled? by the world, or are you free from the world? At least that's one way uh, to divide up uh, the battles uh, of life. Are you controlled or are you free? And that battle, at least initially, is, is fought uh, in the mind. We're on this sermon series on how to finish well. We have a bunch of kids just sort of starting off in their adult life, but what we're talking about in this sermon series is how we want to finish life well when it's our time to go, we want to have done life really, really well. And we've talked about things like, well, uh, you have to navigate life well. And that's really just about figuring things out as you go. And Jesus was actually a model for that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit told him what to do. Sometimes he just based his life on scripture that he read. Uh, we talked about how the goal of life, really the definition of finish, finishing well, is to minister unceasingly all of your days such that, well, you make it into eternity, which is kind of a big deal, eternal life, big deal. Um, and also that when you get into eternity, you have what Jesus called heavenly treasures uh, waiting for you uh, when you get there. And that's really about ministering all the way through. Never take a year off, never uh, retire. Uh, one way to stay honest with that your whole life is to always be trying to gather in at least one uh, non-believer or seeker uh, that you have a relationship with in your life. Always be uh, influencing the one or the two in your life. And if you do that, you will stay fresh, strong, ministering your whole life. If you don't do that, my experience is you don't stay fresh and strong. That's kind of the, th the standard that kind of keeps us fresh or, or not fresh. Um, and then last week we talked about as you get older, we want to be changing the whole time uh, in particular, we want to get more skillful at the kingdom things that we do. Not just better character, but actually better at our jobs. And it's funny how few people actually think that way. Right? You want to get better at gathering, better at teaching, better at healing, better at whatever uh, than, than before. And today we're going to talk about what it takes to not get stupid. What it takes to not get stupid. Clearly, a lot of our young people are very smart, very wise. What is it going to take for them to not get stupid as they go through life? Because 
that is obviously going to be a key to finishing well. Uh, you can't be a dumb herd animal and expect to finish well in, in the world. You have to unplug from the matrix if you're going to see what's true and real. You like that movie? Of course. Yeah. Um, so I'm getting old enough now uh, that um, I have some legitimate life experience through the decades. I can talk about what it was like back in the day um, now that I'm in my 50s. And, and what, has been, uh, what, what has been true in culture has shifted a lot over the five and a half decades uh, that I have been alive. I've been thinking about this a lot recently, maybe you can understand why, about what the big crisis was when I was a little kid. I was a little kid in the 70s. And do you guys remember the population bomb? Anybody who's over 50, do you guys remember this? This was a huge, huge scare in the 1970s. Uh, the Population Bomb is, is the title of a book written by a guy named Paul Ehrlich. But, but there was a whole culture in the 1970s built around the dangers of overpopulation. Do you guys remember this? This scare, it was a massive scare. We forget this, but it was massive. And it shaped huge, huge swaths of culture and government and, and media. Um, it changed your world, even if you've never heard of it before, which is interesting if you haven't heard of it before. Uh, but it changed, uh, it changed your world. There were, uh, there were fantastic, fantastically popular books like this thing called The Population Bomb. The, the, the deal was that in a very short amount of time, and most experts said that in 15 years' time, beginning in the 1970s, in 15 years' time, the world would pass a point at which it could feed itself and support itself. The environment would collapse, and there would be outrageous war and famine and disease and everything. And in 1970, the world population was somewhere around 3.7 billion. And people said that the tipping point, the point of no return for the human race, was 4 billion. Once we passed 4 billion, everything would fall apart. And so there was a huge social movement around the world to prevent humanity from crossing 4 billion. Uh, you're laughing now because world population is currently 8 billion. Um, and uh, and we're going to start to see famine and economic disaster and, and stuff like that. And there are all sorts of movies made about this. Remember the first real popular one was with Charlton Heston called Soylent Green. Do you remember this? Why? They started grinding up people to make food for people. That was the idea. Oh, yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, and there's like all these eugenics policies, these birth-controlled policies, right? Because people bought into this. There were 100 million forced abortions in China. 100 million forced, government-forced abortions in China and sterilization policies in China and, and Bangladesh and all through Latin America and other parts of Asia. I mean, people got scary serious about this, and governments grew and became more totalitarian, in large part because of, of this philosophy uh, that was out there. And a whole generation was raised on dystopian horror. Right? Probably for the first time in America, we were raised to believe that everything was going to go to chaos pretty soon. Instead of being hopeful about the future, we were taught strongly to be scared. 
that there's nothing that we could do. And of course, it all ended up being entirely false, like entirely false. World population has doubled. Uh, in the in early 1970s, the world poverty rate ran at just about 50%. So 50% of people on Earth lived on less than $1.25 a day. Uh, these days, well, before the COVID shutdowns, the world poverty rate was around 6 or 7%. We almost wiped out world poverty as the population doubled uh, during that period. So absolutely, positively uh, wrong. And there's all sorts of colorful stats and illustrations that, that show that poverty lessened, world hunger lessened by a great degree. In fact, the only place we've ever seen famine in the intervening years is mostly in places where governments have screwed up food policy. They've over-controlled things. Uh, pollution actually gotten better since 1970. Uh, and uh, because as technology advances, uh, pollution gets worse. I mean, it gets better. Uh, it's, it's when we're developing that pollution is, is really bad. We had similar dystopian horror stories told to us about the nuclear war, and more of you will remember that in the late uh, 70s and early 80s. Uh, in fact, we didn't have nuclear war. We didn't have a meltdown of the Earth's core due to nuclear uh, reactor meltdown. In fact, the world is in the greatest period of great power peace it has ever known. Never before in the history of the world have major powers not fought war. Uh, but we have not fought a major war since the 1940s, the great powers. There's all sorts of little wars, of course, unfortunately. Uh, I could go on and on. The point, the point I'm saying, for those of you who are too young to remember, those of us who are old should remember, here's the point. You really, really, really can't believe what you hear. Just can't. You just can't. No matter how certain the world is, no matter how life and death certain the world is, no matter how many people are, are revved up about something, you just can't take it stuff at face value. You have to think for yourself. You have to. You, you want to, right? Truth is still truth, but don't trust the crowd to tell you what it is. Uh, and if you do, it controls you and then you don't finish well. But if you learn to actually be a strong and truth-seeking individual, then, uh, then probably be okay. You really, really can't believe what you hear, and the world is dumb. The world is dumb. I mean, Jesus talked about this a lot. The world is trying to control you, right? Some of you are jumping ahead and thinking about, shut down policies and viruses and local political stuff. The only thing I'll say about that is, well, that's just standard, right? I mean, that's what it is today, but tomorrow it'll be something else. Um, so uh, what I'm saying is think for yourself and, and don't just program yourself to go uh, with the crowd. You're gonna go to college, a lot of you are people who just graduated. Don't accept what you hear at face value. Right, you're going to college to learn to think, um, not simply to learn, not simply to accept what people tell you. All right, so our scripture for the day is from Romans 12, because you might think this is a modern problem. It, of course, is not. Uh, it, of course, is not. Uh, I'm going to read uh, a big chunk of Romans 12 to you, but it's the first part uh, that I want you to remember. 
This is Paul talking to uh, churches in what was the center of the world in his day, Rome, Rome itself. This was the place that knew it all. This was the place that had it all. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, your bodies. What he's saying is like, offer your whole life to God, all that you are. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What's, what's he saying here? Saying like, look, if you want to be free and godly, if you want to be powerful and knowledgeable, then the first thing you have to do is unplug from the matrix. You have to realize that the pattern of the world is probably not the best guide. Whatever the pattern of the world happens to be, right? Because there's going to be different things in different ages. Um, the world is going to tell you what to be afraid of. It's going to tell you what to believe in. The world is going to tell you what not to believe in, right? So what, whatever seems dominant, question it. Right? Think about it. Do not conform to the pattern of the world. Whatever the pattern is intellectually, whatever the pattern is spiritually, whatever the pattern is relationally, whatever the pattern is economically, uh, whatever the pattern is sexually, stop. Think about it. Uh, because it's usually misleading. Um, and present yourselves uh, to God, free, unencumbered uh, by worldly uh, assumptions. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. If your mind isn't free, you'll never know what the mind of God is. Right? So, two-step process. Get free, and then learn from God. Uh, learn uh, about God. Um, and then the rest of Roman 2 just sort of characterizes what a free life uh, would be like. Uh, a life that conforms to the pattern of God as opposed to uh, the pattern of, of the world. Um, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. As John said, you don't know everything, <laughs> right? You're still learning. You're still seeking. Just as each one, excuse me, just as each of us has one body with many, many members and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's his teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him good generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. In other words, every individual is different, right? Every individual is different, and you, uh, everyone will make different contributions, and that's part of being free, is knowing that you don't have to be like everyone else, 
right? And nobody should be forced to conform to any given shape or pattern, right? In terms of the contributions that they make, there are different measures for people's contributions, right? So that's part of unworldliness, of being a, a lifelong nonconformist. And then, of course, he talks about love, uh, which is the cardinal Christian virtue. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Well, there's a basic lesson. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. He goes gone, skipping down. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Bless those who persecute you. Could you imagine how much that piece of wisdom would have reshaped the last three years uh, in our country, just to bless those that we were offended by, angry at, instead of raging against them, trying to move in grace and love and generosity instead. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Try not to offend everybody, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you. Live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. I'll just stop there because time is short. But you get this idea of a very loving, generous, honoring pattern of behavior that starts with thinking for yourself. Right? With standing apart, standing apart uh, from dominant world culture. That actually is the path to being maximally loving. It's a truth you don't hear a lot today. Um, so I thought I would, uh, I would share it. I would summarize all of Romans 12. You can read it more in depth uh, some other time by giving just a, a couple key tips. Number one, realize that the world is trying to make you stupid. I don't mean to sit in judgment against the world. And Jesus himself said, I did not come to judge the world, you know, but to restore it, to save it. Um, but Jesus also speaks very often, as does Paul, as do the Old Testament prophets. It's like the world is fallen. It is chaotic. What it takes as certain, true, and important rarely is certain, true, and important. And if you're going to make it the whole way, you have to understand this. You just have to understand, right? The majority is rarely right. There's some sociological principles that back that up as well. You have to be willing to stand apart and be an individual, to be set apart and to think differently. So realize that the world is actually trying to make you stupid. It usually works out to the advantage of the power structures of the world that you are stupid and blind and following. An empowered individual is a rare and an extraordinary thing on the earth. So realize that the world is trying to make you stupid. And then number two, master the skill of nonconformity. And I'll just sort of leave you with this uh, this morning. Uh, nonconformity is a skill, right? It takes practice to be willing to stand apart from the crowd in your thinking as well as your behavior. So uh, here's a drill. Here's a drill I know for practicing the skill of nonconformity. Because you know, you never develop in something unless you practice it, right? So you can't just have a value, you have to have a practice. So here's the, here's, here's the best drill I know, the best tip I know for practicing nonconformity. Everybody repeat after me. Hmm. Trust me, trust me, it'll work. 
Say it with me if you would. I think differently about that. I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I think I have a different idea about that. So don't repeat after me too often. But learning to, learning to say stuff like that is a vital, vital life skill if you want to last the whole way. Having the ability to repeat those phrases. Like, I actually think differently. Kids, super key. You go off to, to college, university, or train, wherever. Like, not to your parents. Uh, but, but, <laughs> so, Sonia will be preaching a follow-up sermon next week. You're, you're allowed to disagree with everyone except your parents. Or your wife. Um, I think differently about that. You don't have to be a, a genius to be wise and free. Uh, Psalm 19 says, The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. Right? If you keep track of your basics, you will stay free. If you keep track of your bas basics, what will happen is that your brain will be free enough to keep learning uh, your whole life along. Um, and then, finally, there may be some things that you want to work in your life to practice non-conformity. Uh, take a Sabbath. Right? Sorry, I rest on Sunday. If you just said that to all of your friends, neighbors, colleagues, if you just said that, you would stand out like a light. You know, and Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, that we shouldn't take anything as you know, the law unto itself. There's a reason uh, little principles like this uh, were, were given us. Um, I have many more examples about how to do it, but we'll stop there because uh, we're out of time today. Um, I want everyone uh, at Blue Water Mission to be a lifelong nonconformist. It's only when you are willing to non-conform to the world can you conform to the will of God for your life, which is going to be unique Amen. for you because you have different gifts and different callings and different purposes. You have to unplug before you plug in. Uh, that's the way that it works. I think uh, we've gone through a season on earth where uh, conformity has really been foisted upon us uh, strongly in various ways. Various ways, right? We had, we had uh, political upheavals. We had moral upheavals. We had medical and health, like everything. We have economic upheavals, and they're going to get worse and worse. Um, all sorts of voices in the world are shouting at you to conform and to fall in line. That's okay, because there's nothing wrong with a cooperative and a gracious spirit. But you have to be willing to say, hmm, I think differently about that an underrated Christian skill. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Father God, I pray for free thinkers in the best sense. I pray, Lord, that we would be a congregation of uh, powerful individuals. And uh, we ask you, Lord, uh, to be our shepherd in this. To exercise us 
in a nonconformist life. That we would know what the good and pleasing will of the Lord is for each of us. In Christ's name, everybody says, Amen.